Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of our Brothers Creed podcast, where we talk about motivation, experiences, and we explore what the world has to offer. I'm Jared. I'm Ethan. And today, we're going to be talking about the principle of self-reliance. Uh, I think this is really important. We're going to talk about what it is. We're going to talk about some of our experiences and others' experiences. And then we're going to talk about how can we all become more self-reliant. Yeah, it's going to be a great episode. Let's do it. All right. You can't climb the ladder of success with your hands in the pocket. We will not go quietly into the night. They tell me you're a man with true grit. I am the one who knocks. Don't ever tell me what I can't do, ever! That's how winning is done. Okay, so self-reliance. Today we're going to be talking about self-reliance. The uh, the first thing I always do, or I always like to do whenever we are doing one of these one of these episodes about a certain principle um, in our in our lives is is we kind of follow a pattern and we want to define it first um, and then come up with some 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 stories some examples and everything else and then talk about how we uh, how we want to become or how we think we can become more self reliant in our lives. Um, so for me, first off, I always start off by just plugging in Google like self-reliance and just seeing what comes out. Um, and there was, there was a lot of good, um, there's a lot of good definitions out there that, that I liked. Um, one of the ones that I, you know, came across was, um, self-reliance is, um, re being able to rely on one's own powers and resources rather than those of others. So just very simple, being able to yeah. rely on yourself um, instead of others, which is pretty simple. I, I had kind of come up with my own definition of it in comparison to, to that one in saying that it is self-reliance is being confident and in control of yourself even in uncertain times and environments. Okay, so, so can you say that one more time? Yeah, so self-reliance to me was being confident and in control of yourself, even in uncertain times and uncertain environments. Interesting. Yeah, that's one thing I liked about it, this uh, self-reliance is that there's so many different aspects to it. And one of the things that surprised me is when I when I talk about self, when I initially was thinking about self-reliance, I was thinking, oh, you know, this is going to be about, you know, this will be about keeping a food storage or keeping ammo stock or or, or some kind of other physical preparedness, but really, and what I've, in the research that I've done, it's a lot of actually other, like, or mental, like, self-reliance. Uh, if you think about being self-reliant, the opposite of that would be being dependent, dependent. Or, or, or codependent with someone else. And so, I also did what you did, and I, I looked up the definition, which is exactly what, basically, you said, a reliance on one's own efforts or abilities. Uh I was actually looking into maybe more of a religious uh, sense of what that is, and I found two things that I, I really liked. One was um, it said that you use the blessings and abilities God has given you to care for yourself and your family and to find solutions for your own problems. So that was one. And before I show that, one, I, th I, wanna, I wanna talk about what self-reliance is not. Self-reliance is not doing everything yourself. Self-reliance is not, you know, you have to be financially independent. Uh, Self-reliance is not, and by that I mean like you don't have to have your own business to be self-reliant. Uh, you don't have to have tons of... Uh, in, uh, Millions of dollars in the bank. Yeah, 
you don't have to have like seven uh, streams of income, although that would be nice. You don't have to have all that to be self-reliant. Uh, you don't have to shoulder every hardship you face on your on by yourself. And I think that most of all, it doesn't mean that you can't trust others. Um, so I wanted to, that might be a misconception. You know, people are like, I'm just going to do it by myself. And and uh, it's very hard to do things by yourself. I, I I like that, and I completely agree with that. And that was kind of one of the, one of the things that I was going through as I... Um, you know, was even looking at some of these stories and, and things of self-reliance. And it's almost, I at the end, I kind of felt self-reliance is kind of lonely. And it's just like, but, but I don't think it, I don't think it needs to be. I don't think it is. I, I Just because you're, you're self-reliant doesn't mean that you don't enjoy being around others or, or, or you know, communicating or trusting, or, others, or yeah. trusting others. And so, yeah, I, I like that. That's exactly right. And one of the, uh, one of the other uh, kind of religious uh, definitions of this that I felt was really cool was it says being self-reliant does not mean that we can do or obtain anything we set our mind to. Rather, it is believing that through the grace or enabling power of Jesus Christ in our own efforts, we are able to obtain all the spiritual and temporal necessities of life we require for ourselves and our families. Self-reliance is, an ev- is evidence of our trust, our or faith in God's power to move mountains in our lives and to give us strength to triumph over trials and afflictions. Uh, Dallin H. Oaks said that. So I think that that's interesting because it's it's more of a, a focus on, you know, being empowered and, and having that faith in God to, uh, to be able to do things on your own and to provide for your family, uh, and that, you know, with that faith, God will move those mountains. Yeah, I think I think self-reliance is a very well or it needs to be a very well-rounded principle. Because, you know, at the beginning you said it's not just about food storage or uh, you know, ammo caches or whatever it might be, cuz you could have, you know, uh, um, you know, 100 years of food storage, but if you don't have any water, clean water, then it's not going to do you any good. Or yeah. you could have, you know, a million rounds of ammunition, but, you know, if you don't have any food storage, it's not going to be good. Or, you know, and, and so it's just like, and, and those are maybe two just very temporal ideas of, of preparedness or self-reliance, but it needs to be a very well-rounded principle. If you are completely independent in one area, but you are completely dependent in another area, then I feel like it's kind of a wash. Yeah, you're very unbalanced in regards to your self-reliance. I think one aspect of this that I think is so important is your emo- the emotional aspect of it. Uh, there's a, a very famous, one of the most famous American uh, theologians and uh, poets, or what you could call them, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. He wrote actually an essay called Self-Reliance. Mm-hmm. And in this essay, he kind of goes in and talks about, it's. if you ever read it, it's it's it like a, like a, it's actually kind of funny because I was trying to read through it and it's at a very high grade level. I'm like, wow, this is not very easy to read. It's almost like it's written at like a, a professor's grade level of reading. It's something very abnormal, which I haven't read at that level. Um, and most of the stuff I read, so it was kind of normal. But going through it, 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 he really talks about how it's reliance on yourself. I just want to share a couple, two quotes from that. He shares. He says, "Self-reliance, the height and perfection of man, 
is reliance on God. I thought that was kind of cool, especially in context of uh, the other religious um, quotes that I had. Another one was shallow men. This is, well, this isn't really from that self-reliance essay that he wrote, but I thought this was cool. Shallow men believe in luck or in circumstances or in circumstance. Strong men believe in cause and effect. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Because it kind of has to do with self-reliance and that like you are the one that creates the environment and in your preparedness as opposed to just getting lucky or, oh, this is just happen just so happened to occur, you know? Yeah. I I like that quote about uh, what's, what was it from self-reliance about true self-reliance is dependence on God? Is that what, what, read it again? What was that? Uh, Self-reliance, it's just, he just says self-reliance, the height and perfection of man is reliance on God. I think that having an eternal perspective, and one of the things that I'm going to talk about a little bit is is being self-reliant will give you, it can give you a sense of peace, like a sense of calm, right? And I think it kind of goes hand in hand with that. If if we have an eternal perspective of, you know, of of God and, and families and, and, and afterlife, then obviously we want this life to be as as peaceful and comfortable and joyful as possible. But with that, um, you know, idea and understanding of, um, you know, what's to come after, then it almost brings, it almost brings peace to this, this temporary temporal world. Well, I agree with that, but what does that have to do with self-reliance? Well, I was just saying it, it it just, because I think to a certain extent, self-reliance is, is a, is a feeling too. I mean, I I think, I think it's not only, as as much as it is physical um or, or or mental i think it's it's emotional as well it's kind of like the, you know what does dave ramsey say um you know we he always say we didn't have any money we weren't and people go oh i i'm i was super poor it's like well poor is a state of mind yeah right you were broke you didn't yeah. have any money and so it's it's just different i think the state of mind and and willingness to to grow and 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 uh, learn more and become more self-reliant mm-hmm. is, you know, half the battle of um, just having that mindset and understanding that really all that we have is is given from a creator anyway. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. It, I, it helped I, me. It helped me yeah. be more confident in myself and saying, okay, you know, I, I can so, have more trust. Well, like that, that kind of goes back to the definition of the word self-reliant. So does that mean if you're dependent on God, does that make you not self-reliant? I think that it, in knowing that God is a perfect being, then, I don't know. I mean, that, that that's a good question. I think that, like, yeah, well, maybe the answer is that, like, like people, like people some people have said, like, uh, pray like everything depends on God and work like everything depends on you. 100%. So, like... In that sense, you're not like depending on God, but you're you're praying and, and petitioning as if it it did, and uh, and He will direct your path. Yeah, basically. maybe it's like you you understand His role and you understand your role. Yeah, and you're How, doing your best. You're doing your best so that He can make up. Yeah, yeah, so that He can make up the difference. You know, He has His His, his eternal role and in, in, in giving in our life, but it's our our role to to work and earn. So. Yeah, one of the things that we're talking about you know, emotionally is that you know you get people. I was listening to a, a podcast just the other day about uh, people who are are codependent, and how really people who get in that scenario, it, 
people are, it could be a spouse or, or a friendship uh, where one person is just really nervous and they don't want you to go spend any time with each other and they just need your attention all the time. And it's because they're deriving their happiness from somewhere outside of themselves. So they, they and that's part of being self-reliant is not having to derive your happiness from someone else. If you only derive your happiness from the love your wife shows you, you're going to be mad at your wife when she doesn't show you that love. And then you're going to be like super clingy and, and codependent, like, oh, I need that love. I need that. Cause, because you can't be happy within, within yourself. You don't have that self-confidence. It kind of goes back to self-confidence is related, but it's just like being true to yourself uh, and, and being okay with that. If you don't have that, uh, then you're not self-reliant. You're dependent on someone else for happiness. And I think that's kind of fits in a little bit to what you were saying about emotional state. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. When I was kind of thinking about some, maybe some personal stories that I've had with self-reliance, um, you know, there was, there was a ton of stuff that came to mind and some of it was, was from childhood. Right. And some of it was from just recently. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, growing up, I think our parents did a, a a really good job of teaching us to be independent, independent and, um, you know, experiencing things that help us to grow. Um, and, 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 you know, whether it was, I don't know, giving us music lessons that, that strained our mind to be able to say, you know, if you don't practice, you're not going to get better. And, and that's, I mean, you, you rely 100% on yourself to increase your knowledge or your ability in, in, in something. Um, so that, that was just a, a quick little example, but go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say one, one tiny story that <clears throat> I've always thought was kind of weird is that one time and was kind of a first manifestation of my own self-reliance or my own abilities. Well, not first, but it, it was just one that I was like kind of shocked. Sometimes when you see someone who is unable to do the things that you can do, you're like, wow. Then you realize, wow, this is actually something that, I'm capable. This is a skill that I have. One time I was out with a, a buddy. We were driving a go-kart around and uh, the chain came off of the go-kart and we were like a mile or two from his house and he's like, oh man, the chain came off and I'm just went back and put the chain back on. And he thought that was like the coolest thing ever because he didn't know how to do that. And it, it wasn't like a big deal. It was just like putting a chain back on a bike and I had never done that before because it was his go-kart and I'd never even like... I loved riding go-karts, but we didn't have one at the time. And so, but I was like, why why is that so like crazy? But to him, it was like, that was awesome. You, you fixed the go-kart. That was so cool. And I'm like, we would have had to walk home. Yeah, and then like, my dad would have had to come back and fix it. And then yeah, this I'm and like, that. dude. Or, or call the repairman. You're like, dude, I just fixed it, man. Yeah. Don't worry about so it. So it's like, you know, so that was kind of one example of like, if you have a skill set, you can be. You need to have the skills to be self reliant, whether that's emotionally, uh, you know, being being okay with yourself and, and and being able to reiterate your confidence in yourself, or uh, temporarily being able to do things around the house or fix a chain on a go kart, stuff like that. So, that's yeah, small, one, small one of the one of the first things I wrote down whenever I was doing this it was um, w- with self reliance. It was, um. You know the, the saying like a jack of all trades but a master of none. Yeah, and it's like some, sometimes that's considered a bad thing. You know, so you have someone that's good at 
or you know, that's decent, that knows a little bit about a lot of things. But maybe that person doesn't know a, a lot about maybe one specific thing. Now, knowing a lot about one specific thing and nothing about everything else, I mean, you could probably make a lot of money doing that if you, you know, know if you yeah. master one specific topic. Yep. Um, and so that's not I'm saying I'm not saying that's bad, but I think it is I think it is pivotal pivotal to have a general understanding of lots of things. You know, whether it's I think so too. Whether it's, you know, maybe simple mechanics of a car, like how to how to change a tire. You know, you don't have to know how to like, you know, mount and balance and all these different type of things, but just to know how to how to fix a tire when you're on the side of the road, I think that's important. It's something super simple that that you know it's just you know know a little bit about a lot of things i think a lot of these skills are being lost nowadays 100%. people are people aren't teaching their kids and kids are like oh my gosh my tire blew out i have to wait for triple a or, or you know they're just totally incapable of doing even when we were kids we were you know some of these kids are, are friends and stuff they didn't know how to do anything yeah so i think that was kind of unique in the house that we grew up in that we were kind of well, you just do this, you know. Yeah, and, and, and I don't think particularly you can you can blame someone for not knowing. But it's a parenting thing. But but I think it's and I think to a certain extent it comes from it's parenting. But then w- when did it start? Yeah, it's kind of like how far back did it go? Like, well, well, you know, I had a friend who, uh, you know, was not. I would say. It was just like, if anything's wrong with anything, I'm just going to either throw it away or buy a new one or hire someone to fix it. Yeah. And he was like that. And his dad was like that. And I don't know if his grandpa was like that. You know, it's like, I don't know where where it started. And so I can't really particularly fault somebody for their upbringing and, 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 and that. But I think if there's a desire and what's funny too is, is that specific friend was like really, really smart, like really smart. But it was just like some of these simple things that to me just made sense to him were like, well, how did you know how to do that? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I I think I, you know, like for, I don't know. I I disagree with, so when people say like, oh, this is passed down, passed down, I kind of don't like that argument because that takes away your own agency and that takes away like your own ability. So like dad never taught us how to really work on say motorcycles at all. Like we never, we had one go-kart for a very short amount of time because I wrecked it. Uh, well, it broke the axle off <laughs> after trying to do a ramp. But we didn't really have any kind of motorcycles or dirt bikes or four-wheelers or anything growing up. And I was interested. In it. So in my adulthood, I bought and I bought probably six or seven dirt bikes, fixed them up, and sold them. And I learned how to do that on my own. And I was in my garage and like oil spilling all over the garage floor and I'm like trying to figure out like how to take the carburetor off and then, but I just, I just learned it. And, and now if there's ever like, you know, I can, I feel like I can fix this or at least troubleshoot a, a basics of a small engine fix. And so like, that's something that my dad never taught me that I learned on my own and I can pass it on to my kids. So there's always that ability to learn those skills. And that's the great thing about becoming self-reliant is you can always learn those skills. Yeah. I like that. Um, so one of the other stories that I had, and this was maybe more, this was obviously more recent in this past year, but um, 
and it had to do with, and this is, this is more of a temporal experience that I had, right? But it had to do with this, this whole coronavirus pandemic thing. So right whenever, like the very end of February, 2020, when all of this was going on, you know, there was a lot of people were saying, oh, it's not a big deal. And then other people were saying, this is like the epidemic of the, of, of, of our generation. And this is the plague. And then you were supposed to wear masks and not wear masks. I mean, there's so much confusion, but everybody was just freaking out. And I remember it was the, the weekend before everything was supposed to like shut down, right. And go into lockdown. And it was for the first time, everybody was really scared and nervous. And you, you know, there was all these things, but if you were out of your house and you could get a ticket and all this sort of kind of stuff. And Caitlin and I were actually, we were on, um, kind of an overnight up in the mountains and we were on our, you know, on our phones that night and it was just like getting blown up and all this different kind of stuff. And there's no toilet paper in the entire world and, you know, all this different kind of stuff. And we were just like, man, should we be freaking out? You know, are we, are we prepared for something like this? I mean, can we, you know, so, um, you know, whenever we left the hotel the next day, I like took the toilet paper off the roll and like took the extra one that was under the sink and like put it in my bag. And, um, and then we, we, we left and we got home and it, it, you know, the news and we're watching everybody's, you know, go to the grocery store and buy some food. You know, it's, it, all the supply chains are going to shut down and everything's going to, the shelves are bare everywhere. They were bare, man. Yeah. I went to the meat aisle and everything was absolutely, the only thing left was shrimp. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that's the thing is, that, and, and I felt, we felt, cause we were on vacation we were behind the, the eight ball. And so it was like, you know, we came back on a Sunday and then it was just like, we got, we got back later that night and we were just like, well, you know, we'll, we'll go to the store tomorrow. And then I went to the store and it was pretty much bare. I mean, there was like, you know, normal, there was, there was some stuff that you could eat. Right. But yeah. it's like not our typical stuff. Oysters. And, was, and yeah, it was <laughs> stuff that was maybe a little bit weird that wouldn't really go together. And we were, we were a little bit, panicked right I mean, we were down to you know a couple rolls of toilet paper in the house and we were like man we should have prepared a little bit more or whatever um and, and actually i was doing some some research and on average in the united states there is only three weeks of food in the typical average home in the united states three, in the average home yeah really in, in the average home yeah um and that is um and that is like, sur- it seems like less, you know, after like a week, you're like, I'm so hungry. You're just like ravenous, like opening the fridge and closing the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> and so, well, the thing is too, and that was like, that was like bare survival till everything runs out. Yeah. And that was like, actually, you know what? I got my statistic wrong. It's not three weeks. That's it's like, three days. Yeah. I was going to say. No, I got, I got my statistic wrong. I was going to say is, that almost seems like the grocery store. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not three weeks. It's three days. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I wrote that down wrong. It is. On average, um, your average household in the United States at any point in time has three days worth of food. And then with a just-in-time shipping for all these grocery stores, I mean, heck, the, yeah. the turnover would be insane. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's three days. And I can't even imagine if, like, the power were to go out or something like that and you couldn't, you know, if stuff in the refrigerator was going bad and whatever it may be. So... Needless to say, we were we were a little, I wouldn't say panicked, but we were like we were worried, a little concernicus. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so we ended up. Uh, I, I went to the store and I bought a bunch of stuff that 
probably didn't need, but I was just spending money. I was just throwing it in the cart because I was like, oh, we need as much as we can. And we had some food in the fridge and some food in the, we had more than three days. You know, we could have, we would have been fine. Plus we have family in the area who, you know, if we. I had enough toilet paper. We, Shannon, my wife bought ahead of time. And she went to Costco and bought giant, like, this was like two weeks before everything. She was like, oh, I think I should go. She's like a premonition. So, yeah. anyway, we would have shared with you. Yeah, and so and so we would have been fine, but still, in the, in the back of your mind, it's kind of like, man, I was not prepared for this. Yeah. And so, one thing that, that, that we did um, when things kind of settled down a little bit is we um, invested, in, and it was an investment, right? But we invested in um, some some food storage for our family. Um and, you know, it's not like years of food storage or whatever, but um, it was something to where, um, in the back of my mind, I know that if I wasn't able to get to the grocery store, then, you know, we'd be okay. You know, we're not, yeah. my, my children are not going to go hungry. And <clears throat> so that was something that, you know, we, we've been able to prepare a little bit, you know, not to say, you know, if the power goes out, do we have enough batteries to power all our flashlights? I mean, that's a whole different thing. That's like the well-rounded yeah, self-reliance. Yeah. Um, but at least in that one area, I felt like I was super deficient. But now, I have a little bit more confidence. Yeah, um, that's good. And that, that's the kind of stuff that lasts, you bought the kind of stuff that lasts like 25 years shelf life, and mm-hmm. it's like packaged really well, and that stuff's great. Yeah. So, um after having that experience, I kind of felt, how does this apply to other areas of my life? Um, you know, and we talked about spiritually, you know, do I have my my own faith or are my beliefs just because someone who I respect told me to believe something? You know, not that that's a, per se a bad thing, you know, especially maybe for children as they're kind of building who they are. Um, but, you know, the next one, physically, am I capable of of running, lifting, or carrying something, and can I, um, you know, we've talked about kind of preparedness before, and not only do I have a bunch of stuff, but do I have the skills to be able to execute in any situation? Yeah. You know, if I'm out in the woods and I break my leg, and, oh, I don't have a splint on me, so it's just like, oh, well. I guess I'll just lay here and die and yell for help. Yeah, (laughs) but, you know, so instead of that, having the knowledge or the wherewithal to be able to say, okay, so I can build, I can make a splint or I can do whatever. Yeah. Um, so, and we talked about that earlier, you know, survival, whether it's a simple car repair or, or a skill, just, just knowing how to, to, to do stuff. Um, one other thing that I thought was interesting is socially, I don't think many times we talk about social self-reliance. Um, but, I feel that social self-reliance is being able to carry a conversation and not depend on others to um, like smooth out the conversation or to make it so it doesn't feel awkward. Um, you know, I think that's a gift that not everybody has. I've talked to people before and, and I don't know, maybe I'm the awkward guy, but I've talked to people before and it's just <laughs> like, it's like, man, this is an awkward conversation. You know, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not enjoying this at all. Yeah. Um, but then you talk to other people and it's just like, I mean, it's like we could sit and talk for, for hours and it's just that, that yep. social self-reliance of being able to, um, you know, have, have that confidence. So the last one was financial. We've kind of talked about that, but, um, being financially minded, having knowledge, um, yep. understanding, we, talk, we talked about before life insurance is kind of a way to prepare umbrella for that. insurance. I just purchased umbrella insurance. That's how I know I'm getting old. I had to purchase umbrella insurance. 
which is an additional liability insurance. Well, there you go. So just in case someone sues me for something that... I, I, I know I need an umbrella insurance when the neighbor kids who just moved in across the street uh, came over and were jumping on our trampoline. And I look out the window and I see my son pushing one of the neighbors off of the trampoline. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I need more liability yeah, insurance. I don't think my homeowner's insurance will cover that. <laughs> yeah, it's only like $2,000 worth of like other liabilities. So I'm like, yeah, I need some more insurance because I don't want my 401k to get raided uh, yeah. with some kind of someone's broken arm or something. And then I yelled at my son for doing that, by the way. So I didn't just buy insurance. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, there's so many facets of of it. And, you know, being, like you said, skill-wise, being able to uh, do those things. Uh, Money-wise, like financially-wise, I think that it comes back to providing for your family uh, without being dependent. Uh, People can be dependent in a lot of different ways. They can be dependent. In some cases, people are dependent on their parents. This I know. I've known people who live in really big, nice houses, who depend on their parents to pay the mortgages uh, for their house. And or and I've known people who depend on you know a trust fund or a wealthy spouse or uh, maybe they are on the other end of the spectrum and they depend on a check from the government. Uh, they depend on their social security. I ever want him not depending on Social Security because I don't think it's going to be around. You know, obviously, uh, yeah, that's a whole nother conversation. But personally, I don't think there's going to be any money left in that coffer when I get to be older. So I'm not depending on. I'm not even counting that as. I'm counting that as a, just a tax right now. <laughs> yeah, but, but you you're know, paying, I, you're paying someone else to be dependent. Yeah, but you know what I mean. It's like if as you give away your ind- your independence, you're becoming a slave, uh, and that's kind of like. If if, you, if someone is paying your way and you're doing all this stuff, you're going to do what they tell you to do because they're the one that's paying. And so as you become self-reliant, you become free because you are not chained down. If the government is giving you food to your family for your to feed your family every single month and then they say, well, you need to do this, you need to do X or Y or Z, uh, then and you don't want to do – well – if you can't do those things, then you're not going to get any food. And then you're like, well, then you're, you're tied. You're not free. You know, if they say, well, if you want to be on the government's uh, pay, if you want to be, if you want to be on these checks, then you can't, you know, you can't be a gun owner or you can't be this or you can't be that. And it's like, whoa, you know, those are, if that were to ever happen, that would be terrible. But, um, you know, you're subject to someone else, someone else's stipulations. And so it's also like a sense of freedom uh, when you are off on your own. And, and that control that you have. You know, I, mean, I think that's ultimately what, what God wants for us is to be free. Uh, so, yeah. What's, uh, do you have any other stories like, uh, yeah, so I, I had a story that's, um, and this is just kind of a cool story. Um, to me, it was like the, the epitome of, of grit and like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and, and getting it done and, and being reliant only on, on yourself. Um, so, have you ever seen the movie The Revenant? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, that movie is loosely, I'll say loosely based off of a guy named Hugh Glass. Um, so, he was a, a fur trapper, a, a, tr- a fur trader, and a hunter in the um, like mid, let's say, 1800s, early 1800s. I thought it was like 17. I thought it was like earlier than that. No, it's... A, Pre-revolution. No, it's the early 1800s. Okay. Yeah. So, um, 
he was part of this party that was led by a name named a man named Andrew Henry, and uh, Glass was one of the the hired hunters for this this group. Um, they were traveling through uh, the wilderness at that time, which was kind of um, you know west of the Mississippi in the United States. There was all kinds of um, dangers, whether it be animals or Indians or you know opposing um, opposing countries that were in that territory as well. Yeah. Um, and he was a, a hired hunter and he was kind of leading the pack. And so he was walking significantly further ahead of everybody else. And he came across a, um, a sow grizzly bear with two of her cubs and their grizzly bear, um, attacked him and, and mauled him. So basically with, you know, claws and, and, and these bears can weigh, you know, upwards of 800,000 pounds, potentially more, um, and just completely mauled him. I'm sure broke bones and, and just deep cuts and everything else. So it it hurt him so bad to where the point that he could not, uh, he couldn't stand, he couldn't walk, he couldn't speak, he couldn't anything. Basically, he could just lay there. So he so this bear mauled him, and his the guys he was with heard him screaming, so they ran up to where he was, and they killed this bear. Uh, in the movie, he kills the bear himself, yeah, which is cooler. But I think it's just more. Well, he shoots it with his rifle musket, and then the first, thing absolutely just destroys him. It's yeah. like it's a pretty gory scene. Yeah, and then he takes a knife as it's mauling him, and he's like stabbing it, and but so that's not didn't really happen. But the th- the thing is, is that so he gets mauled by this bear, and the leader of the company says um, he's gonna he's gonna be dead by the morning. So let's just camp here for the night. He's gonna be dead in the morning. We'll bury him and then we'll keep moving. Well, the next morning came and he he was still alive. So they probably didn't make any effort to save him. Probably not. No, they're just waiting around for yeah. him to die. And so they uh, so he was still alive the next morning, and they said, okay, well, let's let's build a stretcher and let's let's take him out of here. Um, so let's just carry him. So they built a stretcher and they were carrying him. So they carried him and they didn't want to just leave a guy who's like just to die by himself. So they started carrying, they carried him for two days and he still wasn't dead. And they were so fearful of the, the Indians in the, in, in the area and getting captured or killed. And so they were, it was slowing them down so much that this, um, Andrew Henry guy said, uh, I will pay $80 to any man that will stay behind and stay with Glass until Hugh Glass until he dies. And so there was two guys that um, offered to stay behind for the money, and they stayed with him for uh, another five days, just basically waiting for him to die. Um, you know, I don't know if they were giving him food or water or whatever. I mean, it said the, it was the only thing that he, the only way they knew he was alive was they could see him breathing and then they could see his eyes would move back and forth when he was awake. Oh, geez. And that was the only way they knew he was alive. So after five days, um, one of the guys convinced the other that, you know, we've way overstayed our due here. We've done our duty. You know, they didn't think he was going to live this long anyway. So let's just go. So he convinces him, and and they leave. They put him next to a river on the stretcher, and they just peace out. I thought they buried him like a shallow. That was in the movie. That was in the movie. Um, Tell him Hardy, like, kills, tries to shoot him or something, buries him in the ground, and he just, like, leaves him. Yeah, so... Doesn't he kill his son, too? In the movie, he he has a son, and then he kills his son, but that was just... That wasn't real life. That was just like... Yeah, that wasn't real life. So... 
So basically, they let him next to this river and uh, the Missouri River, and then they just leave. They just they they skip out. Um, and so he's laying there, and he finally um, kind of gets an, enough strength. He summons enough strength to kind of overcome his situation, and he starts to crawl um, towards. I mean, he he was a very very experienced mountain man and I mean he knew what he was doing so he he started crawling towards where he knew the closest settlement was so he started crawling towards the settlement um in order to survive he he ate insects and grass that he would find because he wasn't able to walk and he was just crawling across the ground was this in the winter time too so this was it started in um they started in the mid-summer of 1823 Okay. Is whenever all this happened. And so uh, in the movie, it was like winter the whole time and he was like yeah. freezing cold. But um, so so this was happening all through the months from from the from starting in midsummer. So he ended up um, he w- was crawling and he came across a fresh buffalo kill that some wolves had killed a buffalo. So he waited for the wolves to leave. And then he actually stayed with that buffalo carcass and he fed off of it for um, like several weeks. Until he was like was able to kind of recoup and fought off the wolves and yeah and able to like he kind of recouped enough to where he could um so that he was surviving right he was starting to heal a little bit and he was able to to after that he was able to move a little bit quicker so he increased his pace but he was still like crawling hobbling limping I mean he he had broken bones and all these different types of things so um he did come across a an Indian tribe that traded a boat that gave him a boat. Um, and he traveled a little bit of distance on the Missouri river, but he had to get off. Um, so in mid October of 1823, like three plus months later, Dang. he limped into the military fort, that settlement that he was trying to get to. Um, and it was 250 miles from where the two guys had originally left him. On the side oh, of the river, man. and so it was just like, were that, they there? Were they there? So it was the the movie basically is like he goes and he finds these guys and he like tries kills to he kills them and stuff. And yeah. um, it did say that he was driven by his like rage and revenge. He was that kind of drove him to to keep going and to survive. Um, but uh, the account really doesn't say what what happened. Actually, I did read one account to where he. He met one of the guys and he forgave him um, for That's a much better story for, than... for leaving him out there, um, just because you know they were scared or whatever else. But uh, yeah, wow, yeah, it's a crazy story for me. It was like, man, that that guy's like the epitome of. I mean, there was nobody else. Yeah, he relied on himself and himself alone to to save himself. That reminds me of the story of the 127 hours. Yeah, right where the yeah, guy the kid that pins his arm and he has to cut his arm off to get out of the. Yeah, to get out of there. I mean, sometimes when you're some the human will to survive and to go on can sometimes be very strong. Yeah, that's a cool story. Well, let's talk about maybe some ways that we can be resilient. I've got a, a, a kind of a long list here. Maybe we can just do like a rapid fire. I'll do one, then you do one. Cool. Yeah. So one I had mentioned before is just having that inner confidence in yourself, and that will help you emotionally. Uh, to be self-reliant and, and, and to not seek happiness outside of you, but to know that you are enough and to have that confidence in yourself. That will help you be self-reliant emotionally. 
Yeah, I think that's good. Uh, one thing that I wrote down was um, knowledge, and not only knowledge, but practice. You know, you can know how to, and once again, this goes back to survival stuff, but you can know how, you can read books about how to set snares or whatever, but if you've never actually done it before, then it's it's a whole different ball game to actually execute what you what you think you know. And yeah. so um, knowledge, but not only knowledge, but equally important, I think, practice. Yeah. Uh, next one I have is self, like having the self-awareness enough to take an inventory of what your dependencies are. So like you said, you were like, oh man, I was unprepared for food-wise. Uh, you had the self-awareness to realize that and act upon that and get that food stored for your family in case of a, a situation. So that is, is a, a critical piece is understand what dependencies you have. Yeah, I like it. Um, so I have a couple quotes here that really helped me to understand how to be more self-reliant. Uh, one of them was, this is kind of like, I think it's kind of maybe the a military saying or whatever, but proper preparation prevents poor performance. Um, something that, uh, you know, kind of goes back to, you know, if if you are prepared, you shall not fear. Yeah, absolutely. So preparation, I think, is important. Totally. Um, <clears throat> like you said, I had learning and practical learning practical skills, and also having the ability and and disposition to learn new things. That that is a critical skill too, uh, and being open to and being humble enough to learn new things. Yeah, I like that. Um. Another thing that that I thought was important is um, teaching teaching your children um, to the the principle of self reliance. Obviously, you know a baby is completely dependent, right? I mean, they can't do anything for themselves. But as they grow up, I think giving certain tasks and responsibilities, whether that be like chores or you know specific, you know, I remember one time. Um, with with the boys, I, I have like, you know, outside in the, the garage, I have a, a thing of Gatorades on top of the freezer. And they know that if I'm out like mowing the lawn or something like that, that I usually will drink a Gatorade. And that if they help me, then they will get a Gatorade. If they do not, then... They don't earn it. Then they can watch me drink my Gatorade. Yeah. Right? And so I was, um, I was mowing the lawn in the front yard. And um, then, you know, all of a sudden... Uh, n- Nixon kind of comes around. I finished mowing the lawn and Nixon comes around the house and he's like, dad, can I have a Gatorade? And, um, I was like, well, I was like, well, you didn't really help me mow the lawn, buddy. Um, uh, or you didn't really help me with any of the yard work. Um, so he's like, I was like, maybe you can just have a sip of mine. And he was like, he was like, no, I, I did. I helped. And I was like, oh really? And, and, and I, he was like, yeah, I'll show you. And so I walked around the house and on the back patio, he had picked all of the weeds on the back patio and like all of the grass that kind of grows between the stones and everything, he had picked. He had picked all of it, and he had done an excellent job. Nice. And uh, he was like, "Yeah, I helped out." I was like, "All right, well done." Yeah. Here's your Gatorade. Nice. That's cool. That's a that's a that's a really easy and good way to teach kids with you know that reward and uh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so we had come up with uh, like we do with a lot of these is we come up with our own personal quotes. Hopefully these will catch on one day. Yeah. Uh, so mine is pretty simple, actually. It just says, through the practice of self-reliance, which I think it is a practice, uh, we become more enabled to serve those around us. One cannot give what one does not have. I like it. Um, that's 
really similar to mine. I, I said, uh, an independent man is in a spot to help others overcome their situation and trials. If you are prepared, you will feel calm before the storm. When others panic, you will feel settled and ready. Help where you can to lift up others. Yeah, I think that's a very similar. Yours is a little wordier than mine, but I, to- I totally agree. I, th- I think that just basically if you are dependent on someone else, then you don't have the ability to give. Uh, well, maybe that's not, tr- that's not true. You have a diminished ability to give by the level of your dependence. Uh, so the more independent you are and the more self-reliant that you are, that's the more that you're able to help your neighbor. One just quick story that I, one image that I always think about with self-reliance is you ever see like these videos of, I think it was big with Katrina, but some of these big hurricanes have gone through Texas and stuff. And some of these people, uh, they put sandbags around their entire house and there's like helicopter footage and it's looking and it's just water as far as the eye can see. And then there's one dude's house with like sandbags four to five feet high around his house and his house is dry. And like that is the exact example of self-reliance that, you know, he's like, this is not happening to my house. And he built that moat around his house and he had the, the, the ability and the grit to do that and he saved his house. So I just admire that and that's something that I just always think about when I think of self-reliance is that everybody else was like, oh, maybe the FEMA will do it or the government will pay me. And the guy's like, I'm not losing my house. I'm going to make this happen. And he built the the moat around his house, not the moat, but the the barrier around his house. Yeah, that's great. Th- so. I think this has been a, a really cool episode. I think it's a topic that that could use a lot more than what forty five minutes to talk about. Um, but I think it's important that we all kind of evaluate our life. And I think one you know, one of the most important things you said, Jared, is is being humble enough to recognize I need um, some help in this area, or I need to improve in this area. Uh, and I think that'll that'll that could benefit us all. Definitely. Well, th- thank you all for joining us today. Uh, this has uh, been a great episode. Uh, again, follow us in uh, on Instagram at a.rose.creed. Also, leave a uh, uh, a rating for us uh, and uh, some comments as well in the Apple I- uh, Podcast Store, uh, iTunes Store, and that helps us kind of get some more rankings, get some more street cred, so more people will start listening to our podcast. And we're, we're excited to grow the podcast and, and reach more folks. Uh, Ethan and I are loving doing this. And so uh, we'd in- encourage you to uh, maybe share it with a friend. Uh, if you can do that this week, that'd be great. And we'd really appreciate that. So, All right. Well, let's build that creed together. Let's do it.